Hello and welcome to Walk by Faith with Diana. I'm Diana Abercrombie and I'm so excited that you're here. I can't wait to see where God takes us on this journey. My goal for this podcast is to dig into God's Word, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and teach us how to apply His Word to our lives, and then turn around and help others in their faith walk. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't think we can live it if we don't know it. I want us to dig into God's Word, pick the Scripture apart, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to apply it in our lives. Again, thank you so much for being here with me. Let's start walking, shall we? Welcome to this podcast episode of Walk by Faith with Diana. I am so happy to be digging into God's Word with you today. Recently, I spoke at a ladies' event on Titus 2 and what it means to be a Titus 2 woman. And as I was praying about what to share this week, I felt like the Lord put those same passages on my heart. Now, some of you listening may find this very familiar from our gathering if you were there. And I'm hoping that it may be a little more detailed this time, though, with a few more scripture passages in it. So it'll be a little bit of a review for you, but also some new things added in there. And those of you who were not there, I am praying this will speak to your heart in a very special way. It definitely spoke to my heart as I was preparing it, so I hope it touches you as well. And then any men who may be listening, these are instructions for the ladies, but much of it applies to you too as it's talking all about being godly. Now, next week, I'm hoping that I'll be able to focus on some of the instructions for the men. So let's get started, okay? Now, sharing God's Word is definitely a privilege for me, and I do not take it lightly. His Word is just so powerful in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's why we can read a passage of scripture that we've read many times and all of a sudden that passage comes alive in a completely new and different way. God knows our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts as we dig into his word. He knows what's going on in our lives that those passages can and will apply to. Never, ever, ever underestimate the importance of God's Word in your life as a Christian. Prayer and God's Word are absolutely critical in our lives as Christians as we strive to walk in our own life and grow closer to the Lord and also as we try to help others grow closer to the Lord. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to be in our midst as we gather here together and learn his word, talk about his word, pray his word, and learn how to apply it in our lives. Lord, I want to humbly come before you today. I am so grateful for the opportunity to share your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our hearts as we listen to you today. I pray that all distractions, Lord, would just be bound so that they cannot come in and interfere. 
Lord, your word says in 1 Peter 4.11 that whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the very utterances of God. So, Lord, may my words fall flat today and only what you say come shining through. I am your servant, Lord, and I am grateful. I ask you to speak to us now, Lord, as you spoke in 1 Samuel 3, verse 10, when you called Samuel again, after you had called him already a couple of times, and he didn't recognize that it was you who was speaking to him, and he went into Eli and kept asking him, Are you the one that's speaking to me? Lord, I just pray that as Eli told him to go back and say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening, that we say that same thing to you today. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to say to us. Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds, O God, and may we let your word dwell richly in us as we seek to teach and admonish one another. I ask these things, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, Let's talk about what it means to be a Titus 2 woman. What does that look like for us as women of God in our day-to-day lives? Titus 2 is a very familiar passage when it comes to instructing older women in what their responsibilities are before God and to the younger women in the church. And no doubt you've all read these passages many times, but what the Holy Spirit does is take passages of Scripture that we know very well, passages of scripture that are very familiar to us. And when it's time, and I want you to hear that, when it's time, he breathes new life into those passages and speaks to our hearts in such a way that we can then take them and apply them as he opens our hearts to do so. He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what's happening all around us. So he knows how to take passages of scripture and just make them living and active and just pop out of the page as we read them. So I want us to read um, Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5 and just kind of break those down a little bit. And then I'm hoping to get to uh, verse 1 and break that down as well. Verses 3 through 5 say, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their own husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now, the instruction in Titus 2 for older women is really very clear. We are to mentor and disciple younger women, but we are also to live our lives in such a way that our lives honor God so that we can mentor and disciple younger women. That's what Titus 2.3 is all about. Verse 3 tells us that older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Reverent in their behavior. Let's look at that for a second. What does it mean for older women to be reverent in their behavior? One of the definitions of reverent is respectful. And I love that definition because I think it applies here so well. Older women are being encouraged in Titus 2 to be very respectful in their behavior. Our behavior so often is a reflection of our character. So we want to be respectful both to ourselves 
and to others in the way we conduct ourselves. It's important for us to remember that we're representing Jesus. Then older women are warned not to be malicious gossips. And y'all, that is so important. It's such a big thing. We need to be very clear in our hearts and in our minds about what that means. We are not to talk about others in a harmful or hurtful way, period. Malicious means having a desire to cause harm. Gossip means casual or unconstrained conversation about other people. So when we maliciously gossip about someone, we intend to cause harm with our words. Now, gossip of any kind is not pleasing to God, but malicious gossip speaks to a condition of our hearts. It's mean-spirited. What is going on in our hearts that is causing us to maliciously gossip about someone that the Lord Jesus Christ loves and died for? Proverbs 10:19 says that where there are many words, sin abounds, but one who restrains his lips is wise. James 3:8 tells us that the tongue is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Proverbs 18:21 says the power of death and life are in the tongue. And not only that, Matthew 12:36 says that we will give an account of every careless word we speak. Our words matter. What we say matters. Now, verse 3 also warns older women not to be enslaved to much wine. And it's important for us to realize here that anything that we are controlled by, we are enslaved to. So anything that controls us other than the Holy Spirit is a sin. It's a very dangerous thing for a Christian to do, to let something else control us. When we put something in our bodies that changes the way we think, changes the way we speak, changes the way we behave, and causes us to step outside of the control of the Holy Spirit, it's a very dangerous place to be for a Christian. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And we really cannot expect younger women or anyone else to listen to us for that matter when we are modeling careless and out of control behavior. The last part of verse 3 instructs older women to teach what is good. Teach is to instruct, to cause or help someone to learn. One of the definitions of good is morally right or righteous. So we are to instruct or help younger women to live righteous lives, morally good lives. Now we're not teaching them to be good. Scripture says in Mark 10, 18, that only God is good. But what we are doing is living a life, speaking words, instructing them. All of those things are, are things that we're doing and pointing them back to God who is good. Now, verse 4 begins with, so that they may encourage the young women. And in order for verse 4 to become a reality for the young women, the instruction in verse 3 must be followed by the older women. If we as older women are going to help others live out verse 4, then we must first live out verse 3. In order for us to encourage young women to do the things listed in verses 4 and 5, we must first be willing to take on the instruction and live out the instruction in verse 3. 
And I want to take a moment and talk about the title of older women here. And I don't want you to get all caught up in that. I'm 59. I came to know the Lord as my Savior when I was 12 years old. So I've been walking with the Lord for a little while. Chronologically, as well as spiritually, I am and should be an older woman as described in Titus 2. Now that said, there are some of you who are listening who are in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You can still be the spiritual older woman for someone. You can be the woman described in Titus 2 to someone else who is spiritually younger than you, regardless of whether they're chronologically older than you or not. And don't be intimidated by that, because look at David, look at Timothy. A Titus 2 woman is a godly woman, a woman who has a relationship with the Lord Jesus, a woman who lives out her faith day by day, step by step, and then allows others to not only see her walk, but invites them to walk with her, and then she walk with them. It's a hand-in-hand relationship. She's a woman who understands that her walk with Jesus What he has allowed in her life, what he has walked her through, her life experiences with Jesus can and should be used to help someone else as they walk with Jesus. She's a woman who is an instrument used by God to help other women know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and love Jesus. Now, let's look at what we're supposed to be teaching the younger women. Verse 4 tells us to encourage the young women to love their husbands. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. I want to take just a minute to speak to those of you who are listening, who who are married, who have a husband. But you ladies who are not married need to hear this too, so don't go zoning out on me. I want you to think about this. As a married woman, ask yourself, How am I encouraging younger women to love their husbands? How am I modeling that for for them? How am I, as a woman who has been married longer than someone else, encouraging that woman who is younger in her marriage than I am to love her husband? Am I reverent in my behavior to my husband? Am I maliciously gossiping about my husband? The Lord also brought 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to my heart. Am I modeling 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 in my marriage so that I can encourage younger women to do the same? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Am I encouraging younger women to love their husbands in that way? How am I encouraging younger women to love their children? Am I modeling those same verses in the way I love my children? Am I raising my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much that he gave. His love for us compelled him to give. Are we modeling that kind of selfless love towards our husbands and our children? Now, let me take a second to speak to those of you who are not married and do not have children who are listening. 
If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are in a relationship with Jesus. He is your husband and he is jealous for you. You are not single. You are not alone. You are not incomplete. You are his bride. Second Corinthians eleven three says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. It's so important that you understand that you as a part of the church are his bride. I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you this this day as you're listening to this, what a sacred place that is. It's so important. Now, in Titus 1.4, this is talking about children here. Those of you who do not have children, I just want you to understand Paul calls Titus his true child in a common faith. Now, as a Titus II woman, and as you begin mentoring and discipling younger ladies, they will become your children. That's more important than you realize. You're helping the young ladies that God allows in your life to grow up in their walk with the Lord. It's powerful. Be encouraged by that and know that you're not left out in any way and refuse to let Satan make you feel that way. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Now, in verse 5, we are told to encourage younger women to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, and subject to their own husbands. And all of this so that the word of God will not be dishonored. That's what this is all about. It is not about me. It's about not dishonoring the word of God in my behavior and in the way I teach and instruct other people and walk with them through life. Okay, last thing. Let's look at Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. I'm so excited about this because I've read that verse many times. It's a very familiar verse to me, but I never really thought about it in this context. As Titus two women who want to mentor and disciple other women, we must be aware of what we're speaking to those we're coming up alongside to mentor and disciple. We must be very careful to speak only God's word and his truth to them, only what God puts on our hearts for them. We cannot feed them our opinions. We cannot tell them what we think. We must speak the truth of God. We must speak God's word. We must bathe everything in prayer and speak the truth of God. Remember, we're going to be giving an account for every idle word that we speak. Matthew 12, 36. I believe that Titus 2, verse 1 applies to what we are speaking, period. Our conversations at work, our conversations with our friends, our husbands, our children, with any and everyone. Think about that and ask yourself this question. When I speak, am I speaking those things which are fitting for sound doctrine? Now, sound doctrine is the truth of God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, that sound doctrine. I also want you to think about what you're saying to yourself. What does your internal dialogue sound like? We can beat ourselves up so much with what we say to ourselves. Our internal dialogue can be absolutely brutal at times. And that, and because of that, It's so important to speak the truth of God's word to ourselves. 
What does God's word say about us? What does Jesus say about us? He calls us by name. Isaiah 43.1 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He, call, he delights in us. He says in Isaiah 42.1, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. We are inscribed in the palms of his hands. Isaiah 49.16 says, Behold, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. And then two of my absolute favorites. In Matthew 9.22, Jesus called the woman with the issue of blood after she had touched his garment, daughter. He said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And last but not least, in John 20.16, when Mary went to the tomb and couldn't find Jesus, and she thought that he was a gardener standing there in front of her, he turned to her and said, Mary. He called her by name. I love that. That's so powerful in our lives. So in closing today, let me just encourage you to step into being a Titus 2 woman, a godly woman who loves her Lord, shares her faith, shares her life with others so that they too can walk alongside Jesus and, and grow in their walk with the Lord. A woman who is willing to walk with someone else to help them grow in their walk with our Lord. I appreciate so much you being here with me today. I thank you for listening. I thank you for being here. Don't forget to visit my website at www.walkbyfaithwithdiana.com. Download and review the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and Stitcher. And you can also visit the Walk by Faith with Diana Facebook page where you can access all of this. So thanks again so much for being with me. Let's lift each other up in prayer as we walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you all.